0: You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. I've been keeping you guys updated on Jerry Falwell Jr. for a while now. Well, a new story broke about his less than reputable personal life. Let me just say for the record, I don't give a shit what his kinks are. It makes no difference to me. He's free to do whatever he wants, as long as it's legal. But this guy is the president of Liberty University, started by his father, Jerry Falwell Sr. And as president of Liberty U, he's ruined people's lives over something as simple as being at a party where there was alcohol, even if they didn't drink it. He's supposed to be the leader of the moral majority in America. Turns out, to nobody's surprise, He's a giant fucking hypocrite. Jerry Falwell Jr.'s pool boy recently came out and said Falwell enjoyed watching the pool boy sleep with his wife. So what? It's just one guy. Could have been made up. Except, this isn't the only instance of it. Turns out Jerry Falwell Jr.'s wife would befriend her kids' friends, fellow Liberty Youth students, so she could sleep with them too. I read some of the descriptions of what happened and there's honestly no other way to describe it but rape. They were over 18, so it wasn't statutory. They were in their early 20s in most cases. But they're Liberty Youth students. They're barred from taking part in premarital sex, drinking alcohol, and a number of other completely absurd and self-destructive policies. In one case, Falwell's son's friend woke up to find Becky Falwell, Jerry's wife, in their room pushing herself on him. It was wrong. The whole thing is wrong and probably crosses out of creepy and into illegal territory. But since the victims probably aren't going to come forward and press charges because of the social backlash, she'll probably never face charges. The sad part is that Jerry Falwell knew about all of this and encouraged it. He wanted it. He'd sit in the corner and watch it. This is the son of the guy who said God caused 9-11 because he was angry that LGBT people exist. Was there ever any doubt these people were charlatans? Some good news coming from a U.S. Court of Appeals. They recently ruled that schools can't block trans students from using the bathroom that matches their gender identity. This is a pretty big deal, and honestly, very surprising. According to BuzzFeed News, written by Zoe Tillman, quote: In a two-to-one decision, the court rejected the Gloucester County School Board's argument that a policy prohibiting transgender students from using the bathroom that matched their gender identity was needed to protect student privacy. She goes on to quote the majority. Ruling written by Judge Henry Floyd, an Obama appointee. Quote How shallow a promise of equal protection that would not protect Grimm, which is the student from the fantastical fears and unfounded prejudices of his adult community. The board implemented a policy that treated Grimm as questioning his identity and having issues, and it sent him to special bathrooms that might as well have said Gavin on the sign. It did so while increasing privacy in the boys' bathrooms, after which its own deposition witness could not cite a remaining privacy concern. We are left without doubt that the board acted to protect cisgender boys from Gavin's mere presence, especially. kind of discrimination against a child that he will no doubt carry with him for life. So there's a bit of good news. According to a US appeals court, Trans students can now use the bathroom with which they identify. And all that being said, honestly, if I were trans, I would think I'd probably rather use a private bathroom because society isn't at a point yet where we don't have to worry about them getting the shit beat out of them. This is one step in the right direction, but we still need to work on improving public perception. The level of bullying trans kids go through is completely unacceptable. Bullying in general is unacceptable, but it hits a new level toward members of the LGBT community. It needs to be addressed desperately our best buddy bonus bucket jim baker had some interesting things to say recently he said quote i'm scared for america i really am i want to warn america we've got a few more days to stand up it's going to be too late after the election i believe i think if we elect the wrong people and you see how wrong it's been we're gonna have a revolution. The church people are going to march in the street and realize they've gone too far and we can't let the murder of babies lead the way. We can't let people burn America. We can't let the rebellion take over. This is not going to be a nice place to live. What? It's not gonna be a nice place to live? Like future tense? I don't know, Jimmy B, I think it's a fucking horrific place to live right now. Donald Trump did a fantastic job of outlining everything that's wrong with America right now. Streets burning, race riots, 100 year pandemic, 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 ravaging the country, and it's been covered up. The economy is tanking harder than the U.S. has ever seen before. Worse than 1929. Only Trump said it's all Joe Biden's fault bizarrely. As far as I can remember, Trump's been president for the past four years, not Biden. This is Trump's America, not Biden's America. I want to bring an end to the wanton destruction. Oh yeah, I know the stock market looks good right now. Let me briefly explain why the stock market is better than ever, while GDP dropped by 32.9% and unemployment has been between 15 and 30% for the past six months. It's because Trump had the government basically buy controlling shares of major stocks. The company could be completely Failing but their stock value is through the roof because the government dumped trillions of dollars into it I've been following lots of economics blogs since the government did that we technically don't live in a capitalist economy anymore It's effectively functioning the same at this moment, but who knows what's gonna happen as a result buckle up It might not seem possible right now, but it's gonna get uglier. We need a change bottom line. This is Trump's America I don't want Trump's America anymore. It's a living nightmare Pastor Rick Wiles went on TV and prayed for God to muzzle Hurricane Laura. So what happened? Did it work? Let me read a quote from the late, great George Carlin. Here's something else, another problem you might have. Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine, but if it's God's will, and he's gonna do what he wants anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? Seems like a big waste of time to me. Couldn't you just skip the praying part and go right to his will? What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? This week on the podcast, Scott Adams, creator of the Dilbert comic, Mensa member, and renowned atheist, released a video recently describing all the secret signs he found pointing to the fact that Joe Biden is possessed by Satan. He builds it on three pillars. First, Joe Biden says he wants to bring light to the darkness. California is dealing with wildfires right now coincidence? Second, he says Satan lives underground, and basement dweller Biden, Trump's nickname for him, tells us that Biden lives underground too, just like Satan coincidence? And finally, he says, if you take the J and the O from the name Joe and lay them on top of each other, it looks like a six. If you flip the E upside down, it looks like a six. If you take the B from his last name and you put a six inside of it, you'd never know. That's 666. And the last four letters of his name, I-D-E-N, that stands for identity. 666 identity. Coincidence? Kenneth Copeland, my favorite demon in disguise, was on a radio show recently and said, if you don't vote for Trump, then you're guilty of murder, or blood guilty as Jehovah's Witnesses would call it, because of the abortion issue. But weirdly, he completely overlooks the fact that almost 200,000 people have died from COVID-19 in the US alone in the past few months. As far as I'm concerned, you can't sit here and call yourself pro-life while shrugging off 200,000 deaths. We're going to listen to the clip in full and see what else he had to say about it. Before we get into all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up.
1: Hey there. My name is Jenna, and I'm from California. Um, I have a boyfriend. We've been together for four years. He was born in Jehovah's Witness, Uh, probably left the organization about 10 years ago and now because of the current situation with the pandemic he wants to go back to uh, being a Jehovah's Witness. I'm an atheist and will never become a Jehovah's Witness so this is causing a lot of problems between us. I was just wondering if you had any advice for what I could do to try to help him not go back. He's really not interested in Watching any uh ex jehovah's witness videos or any information about that, so I'm kind of lost, <laughs> I don't really know what to do so I mean even if we do break up i don't I don't want him to go back to the organization so anyways thanks bye
2: that would be
0: really disappointing if you couldn't like manage to keep it going um I've had a lot of voicemails recently about how to deprogram people how do you deal with this how do you go about trying to uh, prevent people from going down an, an extremist path basically and I've talked about it at length on various different podcast clips and I've also talked about it on my main channel so try searching through my video library on the podcast and on the main channel for deprogramming I should have some stuff on there about it. But the general uh, idea behind what I do with deprogramming is very similar to street epistemology. So there are different types of basically compliance techniques, right? The one you probably have heard about is called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. It is a largely immoral system, and for that reason, I don't use it. I don't believe in using NLP. It leads you to come across as a scumbag. If you're trying to build a trust relationship with somebody, NLP is self-defeating. You're going to come across as a scumbag. So don't bother using that one. Another compliance technique, I don't know that I would even call street epistemology a compliance technique technically, but street epistemology in a lot of ways is used to... Get people to examine their beliefs and their thought process on a micro level and process whether or not their reasoning is sound. Through the entire conversation, you're going to want to be as non-confrontational as possible. Use words like we and us. Don't say, I want you to figure this out. I want you to look this up or... I looked this up and I found blah, blah, blah. You want to use we and us words. Let's figure this out together. I want us to come to this conclusion. We want to be right. Both of us do. So if you're correct in this, I want to be correct too. So let's work our way through this and figure out if we're using sound reasoning here. Another key to street epistemology is don't bring up any evidence evidence likely will not convince them anyways like if you say jehovah's witnesses were members of the united nations for this long blah 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 um, that's probably not going to be very convincing they're just going to shut down and the trick to this method is trying to prevent them from shutting down You don't want them to shut down and end the conversation. You want to keep dialogue open. You want them to trust you. And by extension, you're going to have to trust them. You have to build a trust relationship. You have to trust each other for this to work. You don't want to shut down. You don't want them to shut down. So there has to be some give and take in the conversation. Don't present any facts to them. Just come at it in a purely logical and rational way. You're going to want to establish what they believe, why they believe it, and how we can know if that's correct. So, for example, say they claim that Jehovah is God's real name. I've used this example before. That is the what. What do they believe? They believe Jehovah is God's real name. Why do they believe that? So, say... Let's, let's figure this out. Let's figure out if Jehovah really is God's real name. Why, why do you believe that? I want to figure this out with you. And they will cite scriptures and, and tell you about the Tetragrammaton and all that other stuff. This so happens that Jehovah isn't actually God's real name. It was fabricated later. In fact, Jays didn't even exist until thousands of years after the bible was supposedly written it was like in the 1600s or something when jays were invented so now we've established what they believe and we've established why they believe it now we can ask them how can we know for sure that this is true is there some way to know for sure that this is true it's a very complex method and it takes a lot of practice um uh, it Sounds pretty straightforward when I'm sitting here explaining it to you, but it's really very difficult to master. If you watch Anthony Magnabosco on YouTube, he does a really good job of using street epistemology to basically reason people out of unreasonable beliefs. Also, Cordial Curiosity talks about this exact thing. So try giving those channels a watch and see if that helps you at all. Good luck. I really hope things turn out... For the best with the with you and with the situation. I really hope he doesn't go back. But for the record, apparently from what I hear, my mom has been talking about Armageddon a lot with Mike, my grandparents and stuff lately. She's been talking about how this is the end and we need to be prepared for it and everyone needs to get baptized and all that other good junk. And some people in the family are not terribly happy about that, but... Anyways, uh, like I said, good luck with it. I hope everything turns out well.
3: Hello, my name is Maggie from Maryland. Um, I heard that the real reason why Jehovah's Witnesses go door-to-door door- door is uh, just to heal the persecution complex since nobody wants to answer the door to them. And there was an ex-Jehovah's Witnesses say- Witness saying, uh, that while it is tempting to try and scare them off saying things like, uh, I'm sorry I have to drink drink virgin blood while eating a border pieces, blah 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 just to scare them away, it will actually just feed into the persecuted conflict. Like they actually like once they go back and say, see how we're treated or see how terrible the world is out there and um he said if you want to Lure people out of this cult. You should actually talk to them. Be nice to them. And if they're kids, you know, bring up Caleb and Sophia. They'll just lens talk. Just show that, give them the impression that the world out there is actually not so bad. Not as bad as I think it is. So whenever they pull up the, uh, trees so badly, people out there are so evil. This will actually get them to start thinking and lure them away. Do you think that's a better idea than just, say, put me on the no-call list and, uh, since you are an ex-Jehovah's Witness, was this true, like, the whole reason contact to go door to doors just to show people, like, how poorly they're treated, like, feed in the persecution complex? Thank you.
0: Really interesting question. Um... Do Jehovah's Witnesses send their members door to door? Does the leadership send their members door to door to feed the persecution complex? And the answer to that is, I don't think so. But it that is like a, a side effect of it. Basically, it's like we can pull up the bite model. We've got things like. Cults will regulate individuals' physical reality. They'll dictate where, how, and with whom the member lives and associates or isolates. They will ban you from talking to ex-members. They'll encourage spying on other members. They'll change a person's name and identity. Their memories are manipulated and false memories are created. Things like that. That type of thing is common in every cult. And they're very specific things. Why does every single cult do that stuff? They they must be doing it intentionally. They must be aware of what they're doing, right? I don't think so. I don't think that, I, I'm sure that some cults out there are aware that this is the best method of controlling people and they set out to control people intentionally and and they do the things on this list because they know that they can gain more members and get more money and all that stuff. But I don't think that cults by default are are trying to find ways to manipulate and control people. I think it's an emergent property. I think that these groups are doing the these things by happenstance in some cases. I think it's almost like a coincidence that they're hitting all of these markers on how to control and manipulate people, honestly. Just like your question was, do they send them out to experience that persecution to lock them in deeper? I don't think that they do that intentionally. Fascinatingly. But I think it is obviously a side effect of it. You are correct in saying that the best way to help somebody come out of the religion is to keep their guard down not attacking them not not making them feel attacked basically making them feel welcome making them realize that the outside world is not all evil things like that help them move to a different conclusion because the governing body or the leadership of basically every cult out there wants you to think that the outside world, the non-cult world, is evil and is out to get you. So as a member of the outside world, you have an opportunity to uh, prove the cult leaders wrong by being nice to them and listening and talking and communicating and showing that there are nice people outside. That being said... If you have been hurt by the religion in some way, if you are completely disgusted by how they act or whatever else, and you feel like trying to get back at them, here's my advice to you for how to deal with the cult members. Like, if Jehovah's Witnesses come to your door and you don't fucking like Jehovah's Witnesses, you can do one of two things. Either tell them... You're an apostate. That seems to have worked for a lot of people. Tell them you're disfellowshipped or that you're an apostate or both. Say I'm a disfellowshipped apostate and they will leave so quickly. They don't want to waste their time on somebody they know hates the religion. And they literally believe that you are being possessed and controlled by Satan. So they want to get away as quickly as possible. Option two is just tell them to put you on the do not call list. They have like a list that they'll put houses or people on so that they don't bother people in the neighborhood, basically. So you can try one of those two things and you basically won't do any more damage to the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or whatever who come to your door. Leave it for somebody else if they want to try to deprogram them. Uh, My recommendation would be do your best not to make it more difficult to deprogram these people later if the opportunity ever arises for somebody else. Do your best to not feed into their persecution complex if possible because at some point in time it's possible maybe somebody will be able to reach them and convince them that they're wrong. Glenn Lusk, you're really making a difference. Great content. Keep making videos. Thank you, Telltale. Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate that so much. You are the shit. Zolfner, I need help understanding how Black Lives Matter can literally talk about social distancing and the effect of COVID on blacks and host a huge march with no distance. Okay. These groups are very decentralized in a lot of ways. There is a specific central Black Lives Matter organization, but a lot of these people are decentralized. So some inconsistencies you find are not on an organizational level. They're just different people saying different things. Aside from that, social distancing is extremely important. And at a lot of these marches and things, they are staying socially distant and they are wearing masks. The people who are not staying socially distant and not wearing masks at these marches are idiots. They should be. That's foolish. That being said, we are at a crossroads with civil rights right now. There are some things that are worth dying for, and civil rights is something that I would be willing to die for. And I know a lot of people feel the exact same way. So they are willing to put themselves at risk. Not a fan of the fact that they're putting other people at risk. Like I said, they're fucking idiots if they're not wearing masks and socially distancing at these marches. But it is outdoors, so it's significantly less dangerous to do than, say, gathering at a little tiny enclosed church. There is that. Anyway. Thank you for the super chat. I appreciate that. The Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. Thank you. I'm glad you agree with me on that. That's a good point. Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong. PT. Different people. I listened to every speech. A guy spoke about social distancing with people close to him without a mask. Oh. Okay. Not different people. Not different people. I listened to every speech. A guy spoke about social distancing with people close to him without a mask. Okay. That specific guy needs to wear a mask and needs to be socially distant. I don't. Don't give a shit what's going on in his life or going on around him those two things are super simple and straightforward almost no investment just get a little piece of cloth and put it over your face That's simple i do stand for civil rights though that's just what it is i stand for civil rights and i do not stand for demonizing and reframing civil rights activists as evil for this reason or that reason civil rights are extremely important and the fact that people are being killed or people don't feel safe in this country should make all of us feel unsafe if we can take the rights away from one group of people, then it can be taken away from us too. We shouldn't just be sitting here watching while these other people fight for civil rights. We should be fighting for them too because black rights are human rights. Everybody's rights are affected when one person's rights are affected pasty sake, I think. It's not really surprising how eerily similar Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses both started with a guy claiming he had the truth. Yeah, that's true. Mormonism started in the 1920s, ni- I'm sorry, 1820s, 1830s. Jehovah's Witnesses started in the 1870s, I believe. So they did start pretty far apart, but eventually, um, as they grew, they they both kind of picked up on similar ideas and, and similar... They picked up on similar patterns, if you will, both cult patterns, basically. When we come back, we're going to talk about Scott Adams, renowned atheist, stoking fears about Joe Biden being possessed by Satan. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the first article I wanted to take a look at tonight is called Trump World Favorite Persuader Scott Adams Sees Satanic Coincidences in Biden Campaign. This is by Right Wing Watch. And they actually, I don't, they attached a Scott Adams video to this article. So I went through the video and gave it a watch. If you guys don't know who Scott Adams is, he wrote the Dilbert comics. He invented Dilbert. And I really enjoyed Dilbert when I was younger. I loved reading those comic strips. I had, like, books of the comics when I was little, and I'd sit there in my room and read them. So it's really disappointing to me that this guy, Scott Adams, has gone so completely over the deep end. He's a member of Mensa, and he is fucking crazy. So let's watch this clip of Scott Adams saying some really interesting stuff.
4: Um, now... Uh, Here's something that's uh, caught my attention and I can't release on it. Uh, As you know, I'm not a believer in um, any kind of religious anything, but I can't help noticing how many satanic coincidences there are with the Joe Biden campaign.
0: All right, let's just pause right here. He's an atheist. He does not believe in God. So what is his end game here by basically trying to scare people into thinking that Joe Biden is satanic? What is his end game? He's trying to build up Joe Biden's opponent. I can't see any other explanation here. I don't know. Am I missing something? Why is an atheist talking about all of the satanic signs? Why is an atheist trying to stoke conspiracy theories This is a conspiracy theory, straight up. Let's continue.
4: And they just have to be mentioned. Now, again, I'm not a believer. We know. But it's becoming a weird coincidence of how many things look satanic. For example, uh, Joe Biden is in favor of what he said, bringing the light to the darkness. And what is happening as he's speaking? As he's speaking and saying, I'll bring the light to the darkness cities are actually on fire
0: okay Uh, let me just pause here real quick because that's not actually what joe biden said this is biden's actual quote the current president has cloaked america in darkness for much too long too much anger too much fear too much division here and now i give you my word if you entrust me with the presidency i will draw on the best of us not the worst i will be an ally of the light not of the darkness that's what joe biden said Either way, that's just a complete conspiracy theory. Let's just continue with the video. I'm a little, pre- I'm jumping the gun on this because it's got me pissed off. Let's continue.
4: California is on fire. If you were Satan, wouldn't you expect that Satan would speak in terms which are true but misleading, meaning uh, he will bring you the light, but there's a catch. It's fire and it's burning your stuff. That's exactly what Satan would say if Satan existed.
0: If Satan existed. This is ridiculous. What's wrong with this guy? There is a conspiracy theory problem in the United States right now. People are convinced that everybody is out to get them, that Satan is out to get them, that the deep state is out to get them, that all of this other junk. This guy is not helping the situation with with shit like this. This guy's making it worse. He's an atheist and he's super smart and he's doing this shit. Really? What is wrong with him? Let's continue.
4: I'm not saying that, that Joe Biden is possessed by Satan. I'm just saying it would look exactly like this.
0: Now- this is wrong. This is wrong. Why would an atheist ever hint at this? This is just straight up manipulation. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't believe in God. He's trying to manipulate and scare people here. That's it.
4: Are there any other clues? Well, how many people or entities do you know who prefer to live underground? I can think of Satan living in hell and who would be another person Who prefers to live
0: underground. I've got it. I know who. Donald Trump, when he went into his bunker, right? Didn't he go into a bunker underground because he was like super scared that people outside were like going to get him or something? That's who it is. I bet that's who Scott Adams is talking about here, right? Let's find out.
4: Could it be Basement Dwelling Biden?
0: Basement Dwelling Biden? Isn't that the nickname that Trump made up for Biden? This is Scott Adams trying to spread Donald Trump's propaganda technique. Linking negative words to people like that so that when you hear the name, it's linked to negative thoughts, that's a propaganda technique. It's a propaganda technique that Donald Trump has been using since forever. You know, Sleepy Joe wasn't really sticking, so he went with basement-dwelling Joe Biden. Uh, Crooked Hillary. You hear words that are negative in your mind, and you link them with the name of the person that you're talking about. It's a propaganda technique that Scott Adams is intentionally helping Trump spread.
4: I only know two people who are famous for living underground.
0: What about Trump? You forgot Trump. He was underground in his bunker, wasn't he? Why is he leaving Trump out? That's the first person I thought about.
4: Can you think of even a third one? I don't think so. But that could be a coincidence, right? I mean, you know, there are coincidences. So if there was anything to this satanic thing, you would see lots of little hints, because don't they say that that Satan, uh, the, his biggest trick is telling you he doesn't exist. So you would, he would be hiding in plain sight, but there would be lots of clues if you were not blinded by the Satanic influences. For example,
0: there'd be lots of clues if you weren't blinded by the Satanic influences. This guy is such a piece of trash. What's going through his head right now? He is an atheist. What brought him to the conclusion that this was the best thing to do for society? How did he wake up this morning and say to himself, you know what? I think we should manipulate the public and lie to them and twist situations around to make them believe this conspiracy theory so that they'll vote for the candidate that I like the most. I've said this before, but deprogramming people isn't that difficult. It's a pretty straightforward process. The Chinese did a lot of experimentation with compliance techniques and brainwashing uh, in in the 20th century. It's pretty straightforward. There's a manual you can follow to do it. The hard part is... Respecting people's human rights while trying to deprogram them. You can't just grab somebody, take them to a cabin in the woods and tie them to a chair and, you know, talk them out of their beliefs. That's against the law. You can't do that. You have to respect the law and people's human rights. The ends do not justify the means. The ends justify the means mentality is what you find in cults. I left that mentality behind when I left a cult behind. I don't believe that it is okay to manipulate or lie or cheat or steal to further the goals of the greater good. I don't believe that. If you lose your morality while trying to further the goals of the greater good, then you're not furthering the goals of the greater good. And that's what this guy is doing right now. That's what Scott Adams is doing. He's using an ends justify the means mentality. Well, it's okay if I stoke fears through a conspiracy theory and make people think that the candidate that I don't like is possessed by Satan. As long as they vote for the candidate that I want, I am furthering the greater good. That's what he's doing. This is a cult mindset if I have ever seen one. I'm not saying he's in a cult. I'm not saying he's like a cult leader or any of that shit. I'm just saying that's the kind of mindset that comes with a cult. That's the extremist mindset. Ends justify the means. And it's wrong.
4: What is Joe Biden's uh, slogan? Build back better, build back better, BBB. If you were going to imagine 666, and you wanted to show it to people and disguise it at the same time, can you think of any letter that the numeral six would fit inside completely? Only capital B. Um, How about the name Joe Biden? Well, there's no six, six, six there, right? So Joe is, that's, you know, three letters. Biden is five, you know, so there's no symbolism there. Except I was looking at it a little bit closer, and do you know if you took the capital letter J, just imagine the capital letter J in your mind, now think of the next letter in Joe, it's an O. Now just move in your mind the O to the left, Until it's on top of the J. It's a backward six.
0: He knows full well what's happening here. This is like pattern recognition stuff. This is the exact reason why everybody saw a face on Mars. Because human brains are programmed to see patterns in things when there is really honestly no pattern there. They zoomed in on the face on Mars like a week later after everything exploded, and so it was just a rock formation. There's nothing there. We have pattern recognition programs in our heads that are designed to find this stuff, and he knows that. He knows that, and he's using this shit to manipulate people.
4: Now suppose the next letter is the lowercase e. What does a lowercase e look like? if you turn it upside down. Well, it looks like a six. Six, six wouldn't be anything, right? But the next letter is capital B for Biden. And capital B is where you hide your six. What is left of the word Biden? If you take out the B, because that's where the six is hiding, what's left of the word Biden, are you ready for this? I-D-E-N, I-D-E-N, identity. Six, six, six. Identity. That's what Joe Biden's name actually is. Six, six, six. Identity. Now you say to yourself, Scott, you could pick any complicated situation and you could find all these random patterns and it's been proven a million times.
0: That's correct. You can find any situation like that and find a million patterns in any situation. And he knows that. And he's saying this anyways to stoke conspiratorial fears. That is it. So he's debunking himself here, right? I'm going to assume he has an answer to this. This is another propaganda technique that Scott Adams is using right now. He is addressing an argument before his opponent can offer it. So now he's saying... Well, you're going to say, Scott, you can find this in any complicated situation. Now, how is his opponent, who's criticizing him, going to come out and say that? Because he's addressing it right now, right? That is a propaganda technique. Say it before your opponent can. That's why Donald Trump accuses people of things that he is doing. Because it would be absurd for somebody to come back and say, no, you... Like, for example, Donald Trump came out and said something like, I think we should do a drug test before the debates. Now, nobody can come out and say, I suspect that Donald Trump is on drugs or whatever. If they say that, it's not going to hit as hard. It's not going to land as hard because Donald Trump already said it. So, what is Scott Adams' response going to be to his critics? He's presenting this problem that he thinks his critics are going to lay down for him well scott you can use any complicated situation like that you can find patterns in any situation so now scott adams is going to explain to us what the answer is to this why is this situation with joe biden and finding all these weird fucking sixes in his name and all these weird little situations Why is this one valid, but any other would be invalid? Let's hear Scott. Tell me why.
4: You could pick any complicated situation and you could find all these random patterns and it's been proven a million times. And I say, yeah, I I agree. I'm not saying that he's possessed by Satan. I'm just saying there are a lot of coincidences.
0: There you go. Yeah, you're right. He's basically trying to invalidate the argument, bottom line. He's not even providing a, a counter argument to it. He's saying, I'm not saying Joe Biden is possessed by Satan. Of course, you can find these patterns in literally any complicated situation or any complex situation. I'm sorry.
2: So there's one
4: there is one uh, candidate, Joe Biden, who has a coincidental association with the number 666 in a, in a variety of ways he lives underground exactly like Satan and he talks exactly like Satan telling you he'll bring you good news but it's really a trick of language that it's bad news is he bringing you the light yeah yes, your house is going to burn down you're welcome for all the light
0: This is fear-mongering. This is emotional arguments trying to scare people, trying to make them think, well, I don't want my house to burn down. Is he right? Is he saying that if we elect Joe Biden, then my house is going to burn down? That's completely absurd. He is trying to stoke conspiratorial fears. That's it. So
4: I'm just putting that out there. Uh, As I said, I'm not a believer, so I don't believe in either uh, religion or Satan i'm just pointing out there's a lot of coincidences going on that's all
0: this dude's a piece of shit i can't fucking stand to look at his face complete piece of shit it's disgusting that he would do something like that It it is just as disgusting that he'd do something like that as it is when jehovah's witnesses use their ends justify the means mentality when Jehovah's Witnesses lie and cheat and manipulate people for the greater good, as they say. It's disgusting. There was more to that video, actually. He talks about Kamala Harris and her name, H-A-R-R-I-S-K-A-M-A-L-A, each have six letters in them. And then he says, and what's she running for? Vice President of the United States. Six words after that. It's just completely absurd. And he knows that this is absurd. He knows it's absurd. And he's spreading it anyways. It's fucking disgusting. Zelfner, I watch all news and no one is willing to talk shit about BLM, not social distancing, but they're willing to talk about Trump. Double standard. Uh, some things are more important than... Life And civil rights are one of those things. Civil rights are are worth dying for, I believe, to make the world a better place for future generations and try to stop fascism from taking root, if at all possible. Maybe. It's too late at this point in the U.S. anyways. Terrence Clark. Doesn't Scott Adams know you don't tell your followers, you don't believe the nonsense you're selling them? It's all propaganda. He's using propaganda to scare people. That's it. Scott Adams doesn't really have any followers. The Dilbert comics have followers. But Scott Adams is a person, not really. Not unless you're like a giga Dilbert fan, like just the biggest Dilbert fan alive. You're obsessed with it and you want to know who wrote it. So you go look him up on Twitter and you follow him. Then you find that he's a Trump supporter. So most of Scott Adams followers specifically are actually Trump supporters who love the fact that the, you know a famous person is talking about like Donald Trump in a good light. So let's see, Zolfner, I am marginalized by the left. I know because of Biden that I, a colored person, a person of color, uh, you're intentionally using language that has been deprecated and declared as offensive. I don't know why you continue doing that. A person of color can be as rich as white people, and I'm valid now because he chose a a woman of color as VP, so obviously I wasn't valid before. I don't... You keep framing this stuff in, like, really bizarre ways. I don't understand why you're reframing, which by the way, is another propaganda technique. Actually, let's look it up. Framing is actually the name of it. Framing is the social construction of a social phenomenon often by mass media sources political or social movements, political leaders, or other actors and organizations. It's an inevitable process of selective influence over the individual's perception of the meanings attributed to words or phrases. So the idea is somebody says something or there's some idea out there being presented. Some person or media outlet or something will change the meanings of the words in the sentence to be more malicious and sinister than it actually was in the first place it doesn't just stop there though it goes beyond to completely reframing a narrative as a whole presenting it in a different light entirely than the one that it was intended to be presented in uh that that is framing propaganda so anyway i see a lot of that from you fyi thanks for the super chat though i appreciate that okay evan inge if A equals 1, B equals 2, etc., Adams multiplies to 988, which looks like 666. Dilbert adds to 70, which is 10 more than 60, 4 more than 66, minus 14, I think. Demonic coincidence? I think not. He also started drawing his own comics at 6, and he won a drawing competition at 11. 11 times 6 is 66. Coincidence? His Dilbert comics rose to prominence in the 90s. Turn it upside down. It's 0661. Look, it's 6-6. Apparently, Adams described himself in 2016 as left of Bernie. Well, he is incorrect. That is inaccurate. He is seriously doing his best to scare the shit out of religious extremists about Satan. And that's just straight up fucked up in my mind. I'm just looking at the uh, mentions in the YouTube chat. Bud123, Donald Trump Jr. seemed like he was on coke during his RNC speech. Just look at his eyes. I didn't actually see the speech. I heard that. And I I think it was like trending on Twitter. And from my understanding, uh, it was actually brought up on Fox and Friends. That's pretty serious. That leads me to believe that he probably was, but who knows, honestly, who knows? If the dude has a coke problem, then I want him to get help for it, you know? I don't want to, like, make fun of him for it or anything, but I also keep in mind that his dad is enabling a system that throws people in prison for that shit if they don't make as much money as he does, and that's pretty sad. Alma Tadero, he knows how religion can make them fear the devil. He's using the old, I'm just saying technique. Yeah, I agree. He's using the old, I'm just saying technique. That's absolutely disgusting to me. When we come back, we're going to talk about Kenneth Copeland claiming to be pro-life while ignoring the fact that almost 200,000 people have died from COVID-19 on Trump's watch. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. So the next article I'm going to take a look at is on the Friendly Atheist website. The title is Kenneth Copeland, Christians Who Don't Vote for Trump Are Guilty of Murder, quote unquote. So let's give this a read and see what it has to say. Christian scam evangelist Kenneth Copeland wants you to know that if you vote for Joe Biden, you're practically a murderer. Copeland made the comments to Charisma's Stephen Strang during a podcast on Monday. I actually have the podcast clip here, so let's... um. Let's pull it up and give it a listen.
5: You know, he's been yes, a great sir. friend of Christians, yet some Christians nitpick and say he's not a nice guy and they shouldn't vote for him. But the alternative is socialism. It really is socialism.
0: I'm assuming that this is Stephen String. Obviously, this guy's talking about Donald Trump. They say the alternative is socialism. No, that is a logical leap if I've ever heard one that is actually a propaganda technique too there are like a list of hundreds of these propaganda techniques kind of like logical fallacies they are very similar in their own way Uh, propaganda techniques are basically logical fallacies used to spread information or spread misinformation in some way i should really cover different propaganda techniques that are used by advertisers and politicians and cults and things like that. I think that'd be fascinating to cover like a a list of like 10 of them per video or something like that. I really should do that. Anyways, what this guy is saying about Joe Biden being a socialist or pushing socialism, completely absurd. That's completely absurd. He is using it to scare his listeners into voting for Donald Trump. Well, nobody wants socialism. Have you seen what socialism has done around the world? They're also harnessing the the whole red scare thing. Like back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I think, there was a lot of anti-communism propaganda going around. Anti-communism, anti-Russia, anti-socialism, and a lot of the older people, uh, a lot of the people who are older than, say, 30 or 40, probably remember some of this stuff. Perceptions about socialism or communism or whatever else were way, way worse, way more extreme back when the government was really pushing this stuff. So he's using that to try to get older millennials and boomers, basically, to vote for Trump at any cost because of their fear of socialism. Let's continue listening.
5: My listeners, the people who, who donate to your ministry, the people who read Charisma Magazine, most of them are gonna vote for Donald Trump. They just vote for the conservative candidate every time it rolls around. But I also see a lot of apathy. A lot of Christians aren't registered to vote. We're afraid that a lot of Christians will stay home instead of vote. Why do you think there's such apathy in the body of Christ?
0: Before we actually get into Kenneth Copeland's response, which is coming up next, I just want to point out, if you aren't voting, but you are a Christian, or if there's question as to whether or not you're going to vote, but you're, you're a Christian, then you're probably going to vote Democrat. The enthusiasm comes in when you mix religion and politics, which, by the way, I've mentioned, is a point on the fascist scale. If religion and politics are intertwined inextricably, it's a red flag that you may be entering a fascist state. The Republican Party at this point, not conservatism, but the Republican Party specifically, is basically made up of the evangelical Christian voting bloc. It is just evangelical Christians and how they want the country to be run. We know that, they, that extreme evangelical Christians want the country to be a Christian nationalist state. They want teachers to lead students in mandatory public prayer and things like that. They want it to be like the Christian version of Saudi Arabia. That's the type of state that a lot of evangelical voters are reaching for. Anyway, let's continue listening and see what Kenneth Copeland's response was to this.
5: I'm going to step back a little bit, though. Stay home instead of vote? Why do you think there's such apathy in the body of Christ?
2: Lack of knowledge. The young ones do not know what socialism is. They don't have a clue. At the same time, they do not know what capitalism is. So they're they're in this never-never land. And so they just listen to the ones that are doing the most talking. Let me say something about this, Stephen. I've been been around a long time. I'm 83 years old. And um, I've seen a whole lot come down down the road over the years. Any Christian who stays at home and doesn't vote is guilty of murder. Every person who votes for someone, knowing, knowing that they push for abortion and to kill a baby any time they want to kill it. They're just as guilty as the doctor that performed the abortion. There's no way around that.
0: Obviously, no Christian wants to be guilty of murder, and that logical leap has already been in their minds since they were children. Like with Jehovah's Witnesses, we call it blood guilt. We. Jehovah's Witnesses call it blood guilt. You can be completely innocent in a situation. Like maybe you were walking by somebody and they, and you startle them, and they trip and fall and break their neck, you're blood guilty for that. That's, that's murder in, in Jehovah's Witnesses' eyes. There is redemption from that. You can come back from that. It's not impossible. But they lean into this blood guilt, this murder thing, heavily. A lot of Christian denominations do, and that's what Kenneth Copeland is doing here. He's leaning into the idea that he's placing extreme importance on an event or idea. If you don't vote the way I want you to vote, then you might as well have killed this person yourself, basically. That's what he's doing. It's an appeal to emotion, fallacy, and propaganda technique. Like I said, propaganda and logical fallacies go hand in hand in a lot of ways. And it's a fear tactic. So let's continue reading the article by Hemant Mehta and see what it says. This is a quote from the clip we just listened to. I'll just read the highlighted part. This is Copeland. Any Christian who stays at home and doesn't vote is guilty of murder. Every person who votes for someone knowing that they push for abortion and to kill a baby any time they want to kill it, they're just as guilty as the doctor that performed it. There's no way around it. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. Somehow the nearly 180,000 COVID deaths under Trump under the Trump administration are entirely forgivable, but the inevitable lower abortion rates under a Democratic president still make Biden supporters stone-cold killers. The idea that Biden, the most moderate Milk toast candidate Democrats could have chosen is some kind of left-wing socialist is laughable. I wish he was. He's not. This is how conservative Christians operate, though. Everyone, even slightly liberal, is deemed a radical socialist and a baby killer, regardless of the facts. They do this because it's, a, it's, it's an us-versus-them mentality, an us-versus-them attitude. They want to have an enemy that they can focus on and attack. And one enemy that basically the entire Republican Party or the entire evangelical voting bloc hates is communists and socialists. That's why they have to paint Biden that way, even though he's not, because it's the best way to scare people into being enthusiastic about voting. Since we're on this subject... I just pulled a picture up. If you're listening on the audio podcast, I'll, I'll describe what I have up here. It's a picture of a display that can be found at the Holocaust Museum. It's early warning signs of fascism so that we never forget and we can avoid repeating history. Let me give you the points on this poster, basically. This reminder of what fascism is and how it creeps into a society. Powerful and continuing nationalism. Disdain for human rights. Identification of enemies as a unifying cause. Supremacy of the military. Rampant sexism. Controlled mass media. Obsession with national security. Religion and government are intertwined. Corporate power protected and labor power is suppressed. Disdain for intellectuals and the arts. Obsession with crime and punishment. Rampant cronyism and corruption. And fraudulent elections. Is any of this sounding familiar to you guys? Does the U.S. meet any of those points at all? Like, even a couple of them? What about religion and politics being intertwined? Does it meet that one? Does it meet the rampant cronyism and corruption one? What about fraudulent elections? Trump's been talking about that nonstop. Most people can get on board with at least a few of these points. Something needs to be done. This is a serious situation we're in right now as U.S. citizens. Something needs to be done to stop it going down this path. It's extremely disturbing. Back to Hemant Mehta. You have to be willfully stupid to buy into that labeling, but if you're the sort of Christian who believes Kenneth Copeland about anything, you're almost certainly in that camp. And unfortunately, Kenneth Copeland is the type of person who is followed and listened to by the vast majority of the evangelical voting bloc, a.k.a. the Republican Party, sadly. Sometimes I wonder if we're winning this fight, but... One day at a time. All we can do is keep fighting. All we can do is keep fighting. I've been answering questions from Zolfner. I want to mention a couple of things. Recently, I said on Twitter, I don't want... I don't think Biden should debate Trump. And my reason was because Trump is going to use that platform, that opportunity to spread lies and propaganda and to frame things in a disingenuous way. Trump uses an ends justify the means mentality too, to reframe things, make them look completely different than they were originally intended to look. I don't have as much of a problem with Mike Pence debating Kamala Harris though, because I think Pence is a less practiced propagandist and I think it's mostly going to come down to ideas in that situation and i think kamala will be perfectly capable of destroying mike pence if he does start bringing up propaganda but donald trump is donald trump will will just straight up make shit up like for example he's been talking about veterans choice for like ever obama signed veterans choice into law why is trump taking credit for something that obama did trump keeps bringing this up and, and, and his points are going up for this. What? What is happening here? What is going on? This is bizarre. It, it's like we live in La La Land. It's completely different from reality. Like reality is not reflected in what Trump is saying. So as far as Zolfner's super chats go, this is what I'm going to do. If it's an honest discussion about conservative values or conservative ideas, I'll talk about it. If it's propaganda, I won't. That's, that's where I sit with it. If it's framing it in a disingenuous way, I'm not going to address it. If it's using derogatory or bigoted language, I don't really care what color your skin is. I'm just not there for it. So anyway, that's where I sit with it. Alma Tadero. Yeah, blood guilt is how my congregation used to push us teenagers to go door to door, because if we did not do it, we were becoming guilty of the blood of the people dead in Armageddon. Yep. They actually said that recently, too. They said publicly, like the governing body members said publicly, if you don't knock on doors, then you're blood guilty, which means you're not going to make it into the new system, quote unquote. So that's another way that Jehovah's Witnesses try to manipulate people. Zolfner. Both Kamala and Trump made some false promises about vaccination. Talk about that. Um, I hadn't heard about the false promises about vaccination. I don't know why any politician would be making promises about vaccination. Why would Trump make promises about that? Is Trump in the lab, like, studying this shit? I hope not. He's not a scientist. I would love it if we could get a vaccine out sooner rather than later, but I would love it more if it were safe. So I'm not trying to push the vaccine because I don't want it to accidentally kill people and make people even more afraid of getting vaccines. It's the absolute last thing that I want. I want to make sure this is 100% completely safe and has gone through the scientific process fully. If I feel they've done their due diligence on that, then I will be out there parading it around, trying to get everybody to take it, and I will be the first one in line to take it myself. Both of them are idiots. Is Ka- is Kamala in the lab? Well, I think Kamala is smarter than Trump. That's just a suspicion. I don't know that that's a fact. It just seems to me that she- probably is. She shouldn't be in a lab either, though. She's a lawyer, not a scientist. But I didn't hear about her false promises with the vaccine. It would be stupid if she'd made promises about a vaccine. That would be foolish. No politicians should be making any promises about vaccines right now. They should be hopeful, tentatively, but they have no control over it, or they shouldn't anyways. Scientists should. Okay, tell you what, that's where I'm gonna end it for the night. Appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.